Chapter Five of Desperate Remedies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shi Pingling. Desperate Remedies by Thomas Hardy. Chapter Five, The Events of One Day. One, August the eighth morning and afternoon at post time on that following monday morning cytheria watched so anxiously for the postman that as the time which must bring him narrowed less and less her vivid expectation had only a degree less tangibility than his presence itself in another second his form came into view he brought two letters for cytheria one from miss aldercliffe simply stating that she wished cytheria to come on trial that she would require her to be at knapwater house by monday evening the other was from edward springrove he told her that she was the bright spot of his life that her existence was far dearer to him than his own that he had never known what it was to love till he had met her true he had felt passing attachments to other faces from time to time but they all had been weak inclinations towards those faces as they then appeared he loved her past and future as well as her present he pictured her as a child he loved her he pictured her of sage years he loved her he pictured her in trouble he loved her homely friendship entered into his love for her without which all love was evanescent he would make one depressing statement uncontrollable circumstances a long history with which it was impossible to acquaint her at present operated to a certain extent as a drag upon his wishes he had felt this more strongly at the time of their parting than he did now and it was the cause of his abrupt behaviour for which he begged her to forgive him he saw now an honourable way of freeing himself and the perception had prompted him to write in the meantime might he indulge in the hope of possessing her on some bright future day when by hard labour generated from her own encouraging words he had placed himself in a position she would think worthy to be shared with him dear little letter she huddled it up so much more important a love letter seems to a girl than to a man springrove was unconsciously clever in his letters and a man with a talent of that kind may write himself up to a hero in the mind of a young woman who loves him without knowing much about him springrove already stood a cubit higher in her imagination than he did in his shoes during the day she flitted about the room in an ecstasy of pleasure packing the things and thinking of an answer which should be worthy of the tender tone of the question her love bubbling from her involuntarily like prophesyings from a prophet in the afternoon owen went with her to the railway station and put her in the train for carriford road the station nearest to knapwater house half an hour later she stepped out upon the platform and found nobody there to receive her though a pony carriage was waiting outside in two minutes she saw a melancholy man in cheerful livery running towards her from a public-house close adjoining who proved to be the servant sent to fetch her there are two ways of getting rid of sorrows one by living them down the other by drowning them the coachman drowned his he informed her that her luggage would be fetched by a spring wagon in about half an hour then helped her into the chaise and drove off her lover's letter lying close against her neck fortified her against the restless timidity she had previously felt concerning this new undertaking 
and completely furnished her with the confident ease of mind which is required for the critical observation of surrounding objects it was just that stage in the slow decline of the summer days when the deep dark and vacuous hot weather shadows are beginning to be replaced by blue ones that have a service and substance to the eye they trotted along the turnpike road for a distance of about a mile which brought them just outside the village of carriford and then turned through large lodge gates on the heavy stone piers of which stood a pair of bitterns cast in bronze they then entered the park and wound along a drive shaded by old and drooping lime trees not arranged in the form of an avenue but standing irregularly sometimes leaving the track completely exposed to the sky at other times casting a shade over it which almost approached gloom the under surface of the lowest boughs hanging at a uniform level of six feet above the grass the extreme height to which the nibbling mouths of the cattle could reach is that the house said cytheria expectantly catching sight of a great gable between the trees and losing it again no that's the old manor house or rather all that's left of it the aldercliffs used to let it sometimes but it was oftener empty tis now divided into three cottages respectable people didn't care to live there why didn't they well tis so awkward and unhandy you see so much of it has been pulled down and the rooms that are left won't do very well for a small residence tis so dismal too and like most old houses stands too low down in the hollow to be healthy do they tell any horror stories about it no not a single one ah that's a pity yes that's what i say tis just a house for a nice ghastly hair on end story that would make the parish religious perhaps it will have one some day to make it complete but there's not a word of the kind now there i wouldn't live there for all that in fact i couldn't oh no i couldn't why couldn't you the sounds what are they one is the waterfall which stands so close by that you can hear that there waterfall in every room of the house night or day ill or well tis enough to drive anybody mad now hark he stopped the horse above the slight common sounds in the air came the unvarying steady rush of falling water from some spot unseen on account of the thick foliage of the grove there's something awful in the timing of that sound and there miss when you say there is there really seems to be you said there were two what is the other horrid sound the pumping engine that's close by the old house and sends water up the hill and all over the great house we shall hear that directly there now hark again from the same direction down the dale they could now hear the whistling creak of cranks repeated at intervals of half a minute with a soothing noise between each a creak a soose then another creak and so on continually now if anybody could make shift to live through the other sounds these would finish him off don't you think so miss that machine goes on night and day summer and winter and is hardly ever greased or visited ah it tries the nerves at night especially if you are not very well though we don't often hear it at the great house that sound is certainly very dismal they might have the wheel greased does miss aldercliffe take any interest in these things well scarcely you see her father doesn't attend to that sort of thing as he used to the engine was once quite his hobby but now he's getting old and very seldom goes there 
how many are there in family only her father and herself he's an old man of seventy i had thought that miss aldercliffe was sole mistress of the property and lived here alone no ma'am the coachman was continually checking himself thus being about to style her miss involuntarily and then recollecting that he was only speaking to the new lady's maid she will soon be mistress however i am afraid he continued as if speaking by a spirit of prophecy denied to ordinary humanity the poor old gentleman has decayed very fast lately the man then drew a long breath why did you breathe sadly like that said cytheria ah when he's dead peace will be all over with us old servants i expect to see the old house turned inside out she will marry do you mean marry not she i wish she would no in her soul she's as solitary as robinson crusoe though she has acquaintances in plenty if not relations there is the rector mr roundham he is a relation by marriage yet she is quite distant towards him and people say that if she keeps single there will be hardly a life between mr roundham and the heirship of the estate dang it she don't care she's an extraordinary picture of womankind very extraordinary in what way besides you'll know soon enough miss she has had seven ladies maids this last twelve month i assure you tis one body's work to fetch them from the station and take em back again the lord must be a neglectful party at heart or he'd never permit such overbearing goings on does she dismiss them directly they come not at all she never dismisses them they go theirselves you see tis like this she's got a very quick temper she flees in a passion with them for nothing at all next morn they come up and say they're going she's sorry for it and wishes they'd stay but she's as proud as a lucifer and her pride won't let her say stay and away they go tis like this in fact if you say to her about anybody ah poor thing she says pooh indeed if you say pooh indeed ah poor thing she says directly she hangs the chief baker as midby and restores the chief butler as midby though the devil but pharaoh herself can see the difference between them cytheria was silent she feared she might be again a burden to her brother however you stand a very good chance the man went on for i think she likes you more than common i have never known her send the pony carriage to meet one before tis always the trap but this time she said in a very particular ladylike tone robert go with the pony carriage there tis true pony and carriage too are getting rather shabby now he added looking round upon the vehicle as if to keep cytheria's pride within reasonable limits tis to be hoped you'll please in dressing her to-night why to-night there's a dinner-party of seventeen tis her father's birthday and she's very particular about her looks at such times now see this is the house livelier up here isn't it miss they were now on rising ground and had just emerged from a clump of trees still a little higher than where they stood was situated the mansion called knapwater house the offices gradually losing themselves among the trees behind two evening the house was regularly and substantially built of clean grey freestone throughout in that plainer fashion of greek classicism which prevailed at the latter end of the last century when the copyists called designers 
had grown weary of fantastic variations in the roman orders the main block approximated to a square on the ground plan having a projection in the centre of each side surmounted by a pediment from each angle of the interior side ran a line of buildings lower than the rest turning inwards again at their further end and forming within them a spacious open court within which resounded an echo of astonishing clearness these erections were in their turn backed by ivy-covered ice-houses laundries and stables the whole mass of subsidiary buildings being half buried beneath close-set shrubs and trees there was opening sufficient through the foliage on the right hand to enable her on nearer approach to form an idea of the arrangement of the remoter or long front also the natural features and contour of this quarter of the site had evidently dictated the position of the house primarily and were of the ordinary and upon the whole most satisfactory kind namely a broad graceful slope running from the terrace beneath the walls to the margin of a placid lake lying below upon the surface of which a dozen swans and a green punt floated at leisure an irregular wooded island stood in the midst of the lake beyond this and the further margin of the water were plantations and greensward of varied outlines the trees heightening by half veiling the softness of the exquisite landscape stretching behind the glimpses she had obtained of this portion were now checked by the angle of the building in a minute or two they reached the side door at which cytheria alighted she was welcomed by an elderly woman of lengthy smiles and general pleasantness who announced herself to be mrs morris the housekeeper mrs grayer i believe she said i am not oh yes yes we are all mistresses said cytheria smiling but forcedly the title accorded her seemed disagreeably like the first slight scar of a brand and she thought of owen's prophecy mrs morris led her into a comfortable parlour called the room here tea was made ready and cytheria sat down looking whenever occasion allowed at mrs morris with great interest and curiosity to discover if possible something in her which should give a clue to the secret of her knowledge of herself and the recommendation based upon it but nothing was to be learned at any rate just then mrs morris was perpetually getting up feeling in her pockets going to the cupboards leaving the room two or three minutes and trotting back again you'll excuse me mrs Greyer, she said but it's the old gentleman's birthday and they always have a lot of people to dinner on that day though he's getting up in years now however none of them are sleepers she generally keeps the house pretty clear of lodgers being a lady with no intimate friends though many acquaintances which though it gives us less to do makes it all the duller for the younger maids in the house mrs morris then proceeded to give in fragmentary speeches an outline of the constitution and government of the estate now are you sure you have quite done tea not a bit or drop more why you've eaten nothing i'm sure well now it is rather inconvenient that the other maid is not here to show you the ways of the house a little but she left last saturday and miss aldercliffe has been making shift with poor old clumsy me for maid all yesterday and this morning she is not coming yet i expect she will ask for you mrs Greyer, the first thing i was going to say that if you have really done tea i will take you upstairs and show you through the wardrobes miss aldercliffe's things are not laid out for to-night yet 
she preceded cytheria upstairs pointed out her own room and then took her into miss aldercliffe's dressing-room on the first floor where after explaining the whereabouts of various articles of apparel the housekeeper left her telling her that she had an hour yet upon her hands before dressing-time cytheria laid out upon the bed in the next room all that she had been told would be required that evening and then went again to the little room which had been appropriated to herself here she sat down by the open window leaned out upon the seal like another blessed damsel and listlessly looked down upon the brilliant pattern of colours formed by the flower-beds on the lawn now richly crowded with late summer blossom but the vivacity of spirit which had hitherto enlivened her was fast ebbing under the pressure of prosaic realities and the warm scarlet of the geraniums glowing most conspicuously and mingling with the vivid cold red and green of the viburnus the rich depths of the dahlia and the ripe mellowness of the calcellaria backed by the pale hue of a flock of meek sheep feeding in the open park close to the other side of the fence were to a great extent lost upon her eyes she was thinking that nothing seemed worth while that it was possible she might die in a workhouse and what did it matter the petty vulgar details of servitude that she had just passed through her dependence upon the whims of a strange woman the necessity of quenching all individuality of character in herself and relinquishing her own peculiar tastes to help on the wheel of this alien establishment made her sick and sad and she almost longed to pursue some free out-of-doors employment sleep under trees or a hut and know no enemy but winter and cold weather like shepherds and cowkeepers and birds and animals yea like the sheep she saw there under her window she looked sympathizingly at them for several minutes imagining their enjoyment of the rich grass yes like those sheep she said aloud and her face reddened with surprise at a discovery she made that very instant the flock consisted of some ninety or a hundred young stock ewes the surface of their fleece was as rounded and even as a cushion and white as milk now she had just observed that on the left buttock of every one of them were marked in distinct red letters the initials e s e s could bring to cytheria's mind only one thought but that immediately and for ever the name of her lover edward springrove oh if it should be she interrupted her words by a resolve miss aldercliffe's carriage at the same moment made its appearance in the drive but miss aldercliffe was not her object now it was to ascertain to whom the sheep belonged and to set her surmise at rest one way or the other she flew downstairs to mrs morris whose sheep are those in the park mrs morris farmer springrove's what farmer springrove is that she said quickly why surely you know your friend farmer springrove the cider maker and who keeps the three tranters in who recommended you to me when he came in to see me the other day cytheria's mother wit suddenly warned her in the midst of her excitement that it was necessary not to betray the secret of her love oh yes she said of course her thoughts had run as follows in that short interval farmer springrove is edward's father and his name is edward too edward knew i was going to advertise for a situation of some kind he watched the times and saw it my address being attached he thought it would be excellent for me to be here that we might meet whenever he came home he told his father that i might be recommended as a lady's maid 
and he knew my brother and myself his father told mrs morris mrs morris told miss aldercliffe the whole chain of incidents that drew her there was plain and there was no such things as chance in the matter it was all edward's doing the sound of a bell was heard cytheria did not heed it and still continued in her reverie that's miss aldercliffe's bell said mrs morris i suppose it is said the young woman placidly well it means that you must go up to her the matron continued in a tone of surprise cytheria felt a burning heat come over her mingled with a sudden irritation at mrs morris's hint but the good sense which had recognized stern necessity prevailed over rebellious independence the flush passed and she said hastily yes yes of course i must go to her when she pulls the bell whether i want to or no however in spite of this painful reminder of a new position in life cytheria left the apartment in a mood far different from the gloomy sadness of ten minutes previous the place felt like home to her now she did not mind the pettiness of her occupation because edward evidently did not mind it and this was edward's own spot she found time on her way to miss aldercliffe's dressing-room to hurriedly glide out by a side door and look for a moment at the unconscious sheep bearing the friendly initials she went up to them to try to touch one of the flock and felt vexed that they all stared sceptically at her kind advances and then ran pell-mell down the hill then fearing any one should discover her childish movements she slipped indoors again and ascended the staircase catching glimpses as she passed of silver-buttoned footmen who flashed about the passages like lightning miss aldercliffe's dressing-room was an apartment which on a casual survey conveyed an impression that it was available for almost any purpose save the adornment of the feminine person in its hours of perfect order nothing pertaining to the toilet was visible even the inevitable mirrors with their accessories were arranged in a roomy recess not noticeable from the door lighted by a window of its own called the dressing-window the washing-stand figured as a vast oak chest carved with grotesque renaissance ornament the dressing-table was in appearance something between a high altar and a cabinet piano the surface being richly worked in the same style of semi-classic decoration but its extraordinary outline having been arrived at by an ingenious joiner and decorator from the neighbouring town after months of painful toil in cutting and fitting under miss aldercliffe's immediate eye the materials being the remains of two or three old cabinets the lady had found in the lumber-room about two-thirds of the floor was carpeted the remaining portion being laid with parquetry of light and dark woods miss aldercliffe was standing at the larger window away from the dressing niche she bowed and said pleasantly i'm glad you have come we shall get on capitally i dare say her bonnet was off cytheria did not think her so handsome as on the earlier day the queenliness of her beauty was harder and less warm but a worse discovery than this was that miss aldercliffe with the usual obliviousness of rich people to their dependents specialities seemed to have quite forgotten cytheria's inexperience and mechanically delivered up her body to her handmaid without a thought of details and with a mild yawn everything went well at first the dress was removed stockings and black boots were taken off and silk stockings and white shoes were put on miss aldercliffe then retired to bathe her hands and face and cytheria drew breath if she could get through this first evening all would be right she felt that it was unfortunate that such a crucial test for her powers as a birthday dinner 
should have been applied on the threshold of her arrival but set to again miss aldercliffe was now arrayed in a white dressing-gown and dropped languidly into an easy chair pushed up before the glass the instincts of her sex and her own practice told cytheria the next movement she let miss aldercliffe's hair fall about her shoulders and began to arrange it it proved to be all real a satisfaction miss aldercliffe was musingly looking on the floor and the operation went on for some minutes in silence at length her thoughts seemed to turn to the present and she lifted her eyes to the glass why what on earth are you doing with my head she exclaimed with widely opened eyes at the words she felt the back of cytheria's little hand tremble against her neck perhaps you prefer it done the other fashion madam said the maiden no no that's the fashion right enough but you must make more show of my hair than that or i shall have to buy some which god forbid it is how i do my own said cytheria naively and with a sweetness of tone which would have pleased the most acrimonious under favourable circumstances but tyranny was in the ascendant with miss aldercliffe at this moment and she was assured of palatable food for her vice by having felt the trembling of cytheria's hand yours indeed your hair come go on considering that cytheria possessed at least five times as much of that valuable auxiliary to woman's beauty as the lady before her there was at the same time some excuse for miss aldercliffe's outburst she remembered herself however and said more quietly now then grayer by and by what do they call you downstairs mrs grayer said the handmaid then tell them not to do any such absurd thing not but that it is quite according to usage but you are too young yet this dialogue tided cytheria safely onward through the hairdressing till the flowers and diamonds were to be placed upon the lady's brow cytheria began arranging them tastefully and to the very best of her judgment that won't do said miss aldercliffe harshly why i look too young an old dress dull will that madam no i look a fright a perfect fright this way perhaps heavens don't worry me so she shut her lips like a trap having once worked herself up to the belief that her headdress was to be a failure that evening no cleverness of cytheria's in arranging it could please her she continued in a smouldering passion during the remainder of the performance keeping her lips firmly closed and the muscles of her body rigid finally snatching up her gloves and taking her handkerchief and fan in her hand she silently sailed out of the room without betraying the least consciousness of another woman's presence behind her cytheria's fears that at the undressing this suppressed anger would find a vent kept her on thorns throughout the evening she tried to read she could not she tried to sew she could not she tried to muse she could not do that connectedly if this is the beginning what will the end be she said in a whisper and felt many misgivings as to the policy of being over hasty in establishing an independence at the expense of congruity with the cherished past three midnight the clock struck twelve the aldercliffe state dinner was over the company had all gone and miss aldercliffe's bell rang loudly and jerkingly cytheria started to her feet at the sound which broke in upon a fitful sleep that had overtaken her she had been sitting drearily in her chair waiting minute after minute for the signal her brain in that state of intentness which takes cognizance of the passage of time as a real motion 
motion without matter the instant's throbbing passed in the company of a feverish pulse she hastened to the room to find the lady sitting before the dressing shrine illuminated on both sides and looking so queenly in her attitude of absolute repose that the younger woman felt the awfulest sense of responsibility at her vandalism in having undertaken to demolish so imposing a pile the lady's jewelled ornaments were taken off in silence some by her own listless hands some by cytherea's then followed the outer stratum of clothing the dress being removed cytherea took it in her hand and went with it into the bedroom adjoining intending to hang it in the wardrobe but on second thoughts in order that she might not keep miss aldercliffe waiting a moment longer than necessary she flung it down on the first resting place that came to hand which happened to be the bed and re-entered the dressing-room with the noiseless footfall of a kitten she paused in the middle of the room she was unnoticed and her sudden return had plainly not been expected during the short time of cytherea's absence miss aldercliffe had pulled off a kind of chemisette of russell's net drawing high above the throat which she had worn with her evening dress as a semi-opaque covering to her shoulders and in its place had put her nightgown round her her right hand was lifted to her neck as if engaged in fastening her nightgown but on a second glance miss aldercliffe's proceeding was clearer to cytherea she was not fastening her nightgown it had been carelessly thrown round her and miss aldercliffe was really occupied in holding up to her eyes some small object that she was keenly scrutinizing and now on suddenly discovering the presence of cytherea at the back of the apartment instead of naturally continuing or concluding her inspection she desisted hurriedly the tiny snap of a spring was heard her hand was removed and she began adjusting her robes modesty might have directed her hasty action of enwrapping her shoulders but it was scarcely likely considering miss aldercliffe's temperament that she had all her life been used to a maid cytherea's youth and the elder lady's marked treatment of her as if she were a mere child or plaything the matter was too slight to reason about and yet upon the whole it seemed that miss aldercliffe must have a practical reason for concealing her neck with a timid sense of being an intruder cytherea was about to step back and out of the room but at the same moment miss aldercliffe turned saw the impulse and told her companion to stay looking into her eyes as if she had half an intention to explain something cytherea felt certain it was the little mystery of her late movements the other withdrew her eyes cytherea went to fetch the dressing-gown and wheeled round again to bring it up to miss aldercliffe who had now partly removed her night-dress to put it on the proper way and still sat with her back towards cytherea her neck was again quite open and uncovered and though hidden from the direct line of cytherea's vision she saw it reflected in the glass the fair white surface and the inimitable combination of curves between throat and bosom which artists adore being brightly lit up by the light burning on either side and the lady's prior proceedings were now explained in the simplest manner in the midst of her breast like an island in a sea of pearl reclined an exquisite little gold locket embellished with arabesque work of blue red and white enamel that was undoubtedly what miss aldercliffe had been contemplating and moreover not having been put off with her other ornaments it was to be retained during the night a slight departure from the custom of ladies which miss aldercliffe had at first not cared to exhibit to her new assistant though now on further thought 
she seemed to have become indifferent on the matter my dressing-gown she said quietly fastening her nightdress as she spoke cytheria came forward with it miss aldercliffe did not turn her head but looked inquiringly at her maid in the glass you saw what i wear on my neck i suppose she said to cytheria's reflected face yes madam i did said cytheria to miss aldercliffe's reflected face miss aldercliffe again looked at cytheria's reflection as if she were on the point of explaining again she checked her resolve and said lightly few of my maids discovered that i wear it always i generally keep it a secret not that it matters much but i was careless with you and seemed to want to tell you you win me to make confidences that she ceased took cytheria's hand in her own lifted the locket with the other touched the spring and disclosed a miniature it is a handsome face is it not she whispered mournfully and even timidly it is but the sight had gone through cytheria like an electric shock and there was an instantaneous awakening of perception in her so thrilling in its presence as to be well-nigh insupportable the face in the miniature was the face of her own father younger and fresher than she had ever known him but her father was this the woman of his wild and unquenchable early love and was this the woman who had figured in the gateman's story as answering the name of cytheria before her judgment was awake surely it was and if so here was the tangible outcrop of a romantic and hidden stratum of the past hitherto seen only in her imagination but as far as her scope allowed clearly defined therein by reason of its strangeness miss aldercliffe's eyes and thoughts were so intent upon the miniature that she had not been conscious of cytheria's start of surprise she went on speaking in a low and abstracted tone yes i lost him she interrupted her words by a short meditation and went on again i lost him by excess of honesty as regarded my past but it was best that it should be so i was led to think rather more than usual of the circumstances to-night because of your name it is pronounced the same way though differently spelt the only means by which cytheria's surname could have been spelled to miss aldercliffe must have been by mrs morris or farmer springrove she fancied farmer springrove would have spelled it properly if edward was his informant which made miss aldercliffe's remark obscure women make confidences and then regret them the impulsive rush of feeling which had led miss aldercliffe to indulge in this revelation trifling as it was died out immediately her words were beyond recall and the turmoil occasioned in her by dwelling upon that chapter of her life found vent in another kind of emotion the result of a trivial accident cytheria after letting down miss aldercliffe's hair adopted some plan with it to which the lady had not been accustomed a rapid revulsion to irritation ensued the maiden's mere touch seemed to discharge the pent-up regret of the lady as if she had been a jar of electricity how strangely you treat my hair she exclaimed a silence i have told you what i never tell my maids as a rule of course nothing that i say in this room is to be mentioned outside it she spoke crossly no less than emphatically it shall not be madam said cytheria agitated and vexed that the woman of her romantic wanderings should be so disagreeable to her why on earth did i tell you of my past she went on cytheria made no answer the lady's vexation with herself and the accident which had led to the disclosure swelled little by little till it knew no bounds but what was done could not be undone and though cytheria had shown a most winning responsiveness 
quarrel miss aldercliffe must she recurred to the subject of cesaria's want of expertness like a bitter reviewer who finding the sentiments of a poet unimpeachable quarrels with his rhymes never never before did i serve myself such a trick as this in engaging a maid she waited for an expostulation none came miss aldercliffe tried again the idea of my taking a girl without asking her more than three questions or having a single reference all because of her good the shape of her face and body it was a fool's trick there i'm served right quite right by being deceived in such a way i did not deceive you said cytheria the speech was an unfortunate one and was the very fuel to maintain its fires that the other's petulance desired you did she said hotly i told you i couldn't promise to be acquainted with every detail of routine just at first would you contradict me in this way you are telling untruths i say cytheria's lip quivered i would answer the remark if 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 what if it were a lady's you girl of impudence what do you say leave the room this instant i tell you and i tell you that a person who speaks to a lady as you do to me is no lady herself to a lady a lady's maid speaks in this way the idea don't ladies maid me nobody is my mistress i won't have it good heavens i wouldn't have come no i wouldn't if i had known what that you were such an ill-tempered unjust woman pauses beyond the muse's painting miss aldercliffe exclaimed a woman am i i'll teach you if i am a woman and lifted her hand as if she would have liked to strike her companion this stung the maiden into absolute defiance i dare you to touch me she cried strike me if you dare madam i am not afraid of you what do you mean by such an action as that miss aldercliffe was disconcerted at this unexpected show of spirit and ashamed of her unladylike impulse now it was put into words she sank back in the chair i was not going to strike you go to your room i beg you to go to your room she repeated in a husky whisper cytheria red and panting took up her candlestick and advanced to the table to get a light as she stood close to them the rays from the candles struck sharply on her face she usually bore a much stronger likeness to her mother than to her father but now looking with a grave reckless and angered expression of countenance at the kindling wick as she held it slanting into the other flame her father's features were distinct in her it was the first time miss aldercliffe had seen her in a passionate mood and wearing that expression which was invariably its concomitant it was miss aldercliffe's turn to start now and the remark she made was an instance of that sudden change of tone from high-flown invective to the pettiness of curiosity which so often makes women's quarrels ridiculous even miss aldercliffe's dignity had not sufficient power to postpone the absorbing desire she now felt to settle the strange suspicion that had entered her head you spell your name the common way g r e y don't you she said with assumed indifference no said cytheria posed on the side of her foot and still looking into the flame yes surely the name was spelled that way on your boxes i looked and saw it myself the enigma of miss aldercliffe's mistake was solved oh was it said cytheria ah i remember mrs jackson the lodging-house keeper at budmouth labelled them we spell our name g r a y e what was your father's trade cytheria thought it would be useless to attempt to conceal facts any longer his was not a trade she said he was an architect 
the idea of your being an architect's daughter there's nothing to offend you in that i hope oh no why did you say the idea leave that alone did he ever visit in gower street bloomsbury one christmas many years ago but you would not know that i have heard him say that mr huntway a curate somewhere in that part of london and who died there was an old college friend of his what is your christian name cytheria no and is it really and you knew that face i showed you yes i see you did miss aldercliffe stopped and closed her lips impassably she was a little agitated do you want me any longer said cytheria standing candle in hand and looking quietly in miss aldercliffe's face well no no longer said the other lingeringly with your permission i will leave the house to-morrow morning madam ah miss aldercliffe had no notion of what she was saying and i know you will be so good as not to intrude upon me during the short remainder of my stay saying this cytheria left the room before her companion had answered miss aldercliffe then had recognised her at last and had been curious about her name from the beginning the other members of the household had retired to rest as cytheria went along the passage leading to her room her skirts rustled against the partition a door on her left opened and mrs morris looked out i waited out of bed till you came up she said it being your first night in case you should be at a loss for anything how have you got on with miss aldercliffe pretty well though not so well as i could have wished has she been scolding a little she is a very odd lady tis all one way or the other with her she's not bad at heart but unbearable in close quarters those of us who don't have much to do with her personally stay on for years and years has miss aldercliffe's family always been rich said cytheria oh no the property with the name came from her mother's uncle her family is a branch of the old aldercliffe family on the maternal side her mother married a bradley a mere nobody at that time and was on that account cut by her relations but very singularly the other branch of the family died out one by one three of them and miss aldercliffe's great-uncle then left all his property including this estate to captain bradley and his wife miss aldercliffe's father and mother on condition that they took the old family name as well there's all about it in the landed gentry tis a thing very often done oh i see thank you well now i'm going good night end of chapter five recording by shi ping lin